Hello everyone and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. I'm your co-host who loves French toast, Hunter Mitchell, also with the Department of Communication. Today we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, accessibility at Michigan Medicine. To do just that, we'll be joined by Krista Moran, who works with Interpreter Services and who is a previous winner of the James T. Neubacher Award, given to Champions of Disability Rights at Michigan Medicine. Now, before we get into that, we've made sure all previous episodes of The Wrap are accessible to you. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes debut weekly and can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel as a part of the headlines we can review. All right, let's bring in Krista Moran for her first appearance here on The Wrap. Krista, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really honored to be here. So Krista, as we briefly mentioned, you work with interpreter services at Michigan Medicine. Can you explain an interpreter's role and what your daily work entails? Well, I would actually probably take the next hour or two explaining exactly what we do, but um, our interpreters at interpreter services um, really are, we see everything. It's never the same day twice. We work with a variety of patients that um, are either deaf um, and don't, and um, use American Sign Language or they're limited English proficient and they use interpreters. So we are in every single clinic and every single specialty um, with from you know beginning of life to end of life, heart transplants, any specialty you can imagine, our interpreters are there. We really are kind of like the fly on the wall throughout the entire health system. Yeah. Now, a lot of people see an interpreter's role as sort of a perk offered by the organization, but you know, you've explained in the past, and this is why I wanted to have you on, that you're so much more than that. Your, your, your team is a necessity, not a perk. Can you sort of explain the difference there? Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, a perk is a lovely thought, but actually it's required by law <laughs> to right. have interpreters for um, limited English proficient patients and for deaf patients. Um, it's afforded through the Amer uh, American with Disabilities Act, Affordable Care Act, Joint Commission requires it. But University of Michigan is really unique as we really go above and beyond the law. We see the value of the interpreter as part of the team, not just the team um, with the medical team, but also with the patient. We are all working collaboratively um, to ensure that the patient has access to communication, which is really, really key to having an interaction with your healthcare team. Wow. Yeah. So it's clear that interpreter services plays a big role in accessibility at Michigan Medicine. Um, what does the term accessibility mean to you and how can everyone in the organization play a role in increasing accessibility for patients, employees, and learners? Well, when you think about accessibility, you need to think about um, what barriers are out there, right? So, um, you know, with the university and their big push for health equity and inclusion, um, the patients that are most marginalized and the patients that are having the biggest struggles are those that are facing these barriers. So um, we're not just talking about physical barriers, um, for example, for our limited English proficient patients and deaf patients, that barrier might be communication. And so we provide interpreters, but there's also things like physical barriers, clinics that might not have um, doors that are wide enough for um, an electric wheelchair, for example, clinics that might have um, exam tables that don't lower so patients can get up there. So maybe even a patient in their everyday life 
might not really consider themselves as having any kind of limitations, but when they get into an exam room that is inaccessible to them, an older patient maybe who can't climb up on that table and requires help, um, the goal is to really take down those barriers for these patients to be willing to come in. One of the other really common barriers, and we're seeing more and more of these um, since COVID is the mask. Right, so there's a lot of patients and people just in the world in general that didn't even realize that they had a hearing loss and didn't recognize how much they depended either on lip reading or access to better hearing. So when you've got somebody behind a mask, behind a shield, behind a plexiglass, so the sound is distorted and muffled and the patients can't lip read. So um, it's really, really challenging for a lot of these patients. We're seeing an increase in requests for things like um, CART services, which is captioned um, communication with providers and things like that. So there's been a lot of new even um, barriers that have occurred since COVID. Um, patients who normally were pretty much independent and maybe had a companion help them when we went to a no visitor policy we're faced with new challenges. So um, there's constantly this need for us as employees and um, family members and patients to really look around and think to ourselves, how accessible is my workplace? How accessible is my clinic, right? And really um, maybe doing a little homework. Well, if we have a lot of patients coming in who have say um, visual impairments, um, what are they gonna do if everything is written really small? What am I gonna do with my patient who's in here and doesn't have their glasses and I'm asking them to fill out a menu or read a menu? So I think it's really important for Michigan Medicine employees to look in their environment and look at all the different possible, think about all the different possible disabilities, people that they may know or patients that they may see and say, how would this person navigate this room, this clinic? being my patient in this particular bed if they had X challenges. So um, that's kind of how we can educate ourselves and that way we can help provide um, better care and more accessible care for um, our patients and even our coworkers, right? We're not just talking about patients. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you just brought up. I think it's, you know, if I if I can add just something myself, you know, it's it's to really make sure that you're thinking broadly about the term accessibility, right? right? Where immediately a lot of people, if you hear accessibility, you probably think physical disabilities. That right. tends to be what people generally think about. So someone with a physical disability like myself, we actually might be in better shape in terms of how people are looking out for me. Is there a ramp? Is the door wide enough? Right. Um, is there something in the way? But people don't really think about, you know, people who are hard of hearing or members of the deaf community or have visual impairments and things like that. Um, and, and I think that that's so important to broaden your horizons immediately. And when you hear accessibility, it's all encompassing, right? Right, right. There's a lot of hidden disabilities, mental health, um, people that um, are on the autism spectrum. There's all sorts of barriers that we just don't even recognize. Yeah. And to really um, just, you know, 24% of the people in your life probably have some form of disability, whether it's a family member, of yourself, um, there's all sorts of people around you. And think about those people, your coworkers. Well, how would this person navigate this space? And what could I do to help make it a little bit easier? Um, and I think the other really important thing too is to recognize um, somebody with um, disabilities might have more than one, right? And constantly re relying on them to be the one to educate you 
is um, exhausting, right? So to navigate this world, um, you know, the whole spoon theory of only having a limited number of spoons in a day to make it through your day. And if you're constantly spending your time educating everybody about what it's like to be this person with a disability and how they can help you, you're going to be using up a lot of spoons that you already have a limited number of, right? So it's really important to not just go, you tell me, educate me about what is it mm -hmm. that you need. Actually do a little research yourself, right? Go online. There's tons of people telling their stories and their challenges of what it's like to see their doctor, what it takes for them to even get to that clinic in a day in February, somebody who might be in a wheelchair or have mental health issues and they don't speak English and they're trans, right? Those are three or four things, that whole intersectionality. Um, we tend to go, okay, disability, wheelchair, deaf, blind, boom. You know, there's so many other iterations out there. And to recognize that we can make such a huge impact by just doing a little bit of homework and then saying, okay, so what is it that I can do to help make this more accessible for you? And, and maybe even beforehand have it there, like yep. recognizing if you've got a bunch of patients who are senior citizens that are coming in, they probably have some kind of hearing loss. Wouldn't it be really nice if you just got some clear masks and had them ready so yep. that when they came in, they could see your face and they could lip read and, you know, and then say, is this good? Is this helping you? Is there something else I can do? Right. Yeah. So, and yeah. And the last thing I'll, I'll just throw out there is that to keep in mind, no two disabilities are the same. You know, right. I was, you know, I was born with spina bifida and use a manual wheelchair for mobility. There might be somebody else, another colleague or, or patient who has spina bifida, but they're walking, you right. know, and maybe they can't walk long distances, but they can walk. So just because you know what the disability is, doesn't know, you know, you know, doesn't mean you know what the accommodations are going to be necessary for individuals. Right. And on any given day, especially, you know, patients come into our hospital, if they're in extreme pain, they might not be able to stand in line and wait to check in. Right. Or they might not be able to stand in line and wait for their COVID screening on one day, but on other days they might be fine. And then another day they might have a cane, right? So recognizing that disability levels or ability levels change on a regular basis, especially in a health system, right? Because people are coming to have surgeries and, and treatments and things like that, that may change their, their um, disability status. Yeah. Now you and I have both participated as part of the Michigan Medicine Disability Council. What are some of the accessibility priorities that Michigan Medicine is working on as we speak? Well, it's a huge one. <laughs> and it really came of the work that we do at Interpreter Services, which I have to just shout out to an incredible department that, that every single person in Interpreter Services works so hard to improve access for our limited English proficient and deaf patients. I mean, it is just really recognized across the country as one of the most um, talented group of people and we really go above and beyond. But one of the things that we have worked really hard on is making sure that clinics know when a patient is coming in who needs an interpreter, right? So it's almost a no brainer now. We're kind of, no, people come from across the state to uh, even from the UP to see um, doctors at University of Michigan because of our interpreting services, because they simply want access to be able to communicate with their provider. And our thought was, you know, if we can let clinics know beforehand that the patient needs an interpreter, I think we can let, we know that we can let patients or clinics know beforehand that the patient 
has a disability and requires an accommodation, right? So I've never, I've never come across anybody at University of Michigan that isn't willing to provide an accommodation once they know what it is, but oftentimes it's just they don't know. They didn't expect that this patient was going to come in and in an electric wheelchair and the one room that was accessible for them was given to somebody who didn't need it. So now this patient is sitting there and the, they're like, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really, I'm not sure what to do. And what, we don't have an accessible scare. We don't know where that is. If that clinic knew in advance, oh, at two o'clock, this patient is coming in. They're going to need this particular room because it's got an accessible table. It's got an accessible scale. And then everyone is happy. The patient is happy. The MAs are happy. The doctors are happy. It doesn't delay clinic time. So what this is, is it's a field in my chart that um, has been created. And it indicates on the storyboard whether or not the patient has a disability and whether or not they need an accommodation and what that accommodation is. The patients are able to add to this information and the providers are as well. It's still in the planning stages. It's already in my chart. So the, so the cart was kind of before the horse. We were able to take advantage of um, it going in in October. And now we're creating the workflow flow for it. And um, we're getting input of nursing and we're getting input of clinic managers and we're getting input of patients and providers and everything. But eventually the big goal is, and, and there's a lot of hospitals across the country that are looking to see what we're going to do with this um, because they want the same thing. But again, it's a person who needs an accommodation doesn't constantly have to re-educate every single time. They can just come in and lo and behold, everybody knew that they needed this accommodation and it's there. The people are in clear masks or the room is available or, you know, um, they don't have to constantly worry about that. They can actually just focus on being there to see the doctor. <laughs> so that's it's huge. It, there's a huge team of amazing people that have done this work and we're still it's still all coming together. But that's that's the number one thing that's going on right now. Awesome. Um, do you have any other parting thoughts on accessibility and why it needs to be at the forefront of everything our faculty and staff does? Um, I think people need to recognize that it's not an us and them thing. Each and every one of us at some point in our life, if we live long enough, is going to have some form of disability, right? We're just, you know, uh, like one decade away, two decades away, depending on how young you are. You're one um, car accident or one ACL tear or, you know, away from having some kind of a disability. Hearing loss of, is, is eventual for almost everybody. Vision loss is eventual for almost everybody. And every single one of us, myself included, I want to be able to be as independent as I can be when I see my doctor. I want to be seen as a whole person, not necessarily as whatever it is that is my, um, part that's not working like everybody else's, you know, I want to just be seen as, as me and I want to be able to independent and everybody else should be afforded that as well. So think about this is an all of us thing, right? Everybody benefits from being more accessible. Maybe you're not going to benefit now, or maybe your family members aren't going to benefit now, but they will eventually. And so we want to build this, this place that is going to be accessible to all, no matter what ability levels, no matter what your language is, no matter what your mental health status is, no matter what your sexual orientation or gender identity is, to be inclusive 
care and recognizing when we're talking about health equity and inclusion, you must, must, must remember patients with disabilities and patients who don't speak English. Wise words. Thank you so much for joining us, Krista, and, and talking through all of that. Now, your work is not done here. Still got a little bit more to oh, go. Oh, yeah. I'm a little yes, nervous. Yes. yes. You ready for the lightning round? We're going to ask you four quick questions, and you have uh, have to give us some quick fire answers. You ready? Okay. That's good. I'm ready. All righty. Here we go. So we mentioned a few times on the show that August is pause month at Michigan Medicine. Uh, what is your favorite thing to do in order to turn off when you're away from work? Um, I actually listen to podcasts. <laughs> the rap. Time. It's on loop 24 seven. Wow. <laughs> For most yep. people it is. I understand. <laughs> now, if you, if you could have a dream job outside of your current role, what would it be? Oh, I would be a star on Broadway. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. I mean, are we, are we talking real? Let's see. No, that's your dream job. That's, that's my dream job. I yes. would, if I, you know, I'm going to come back in another life as a star on Broadway. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, believe it or not, summer is almost coming to an end here. And uh, we want to know what is your favorite season and why? What is my favorite season? I would say summer. I absolutely love hot weather. It cannot be hot enough for me. Um, I love flowers and color and I love the beach and, and I also hate winter. So it's the opposite of winter. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a perfect segue to this last question. What is the best place you've gone this summer? What is the best place I've gone this summer? Let me think. Oh, I went camping in, um, although it started out not great cause it was raining when we were setting up the tent, but, um, I went camping in a place called Green Lakes State Park in New York State. And the and the lake is like Torch Lake where it's like mineral fed. And it's the most, it looks like the Caribbean. Um, and so I went with a bunch of hearing people and deaf people. And it was just a lovely, lovely long weekend. We meet every year. So um, if you get a chance to go to Green Lake State Park in New York State, it's spectacular. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Krista, for joining us today. And Krista's interview, of course, will be part of Headlines Week in Review at mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. Also part of the Week in Review will be a closer look at the featured stories from the past few days. Find those stories and much more at mmheadlines.org. All right, Dan, today's been focused on accessibility, so let's keep up with that theme. Uh, what has been your impression of accessibility at Michigan Medicine from the perspective of an employee with a physical disability? Yeah, so um, I've had actually an incredible experience, um, an, an employee experience so far at Michigan Medicine. And I think a lot of it goes to what Krista touched on is members of the Department of Communication, where I've worked ever since I got here in 2016, have really tried to make sure that barriers were lifted without me having to ask for it. Um, so, you know, when I first got here, they immediately had picked out a cubicle that they thought was going to be the easiest for me to navigate to. And then when I got here on the first day, they asked, you know, does this work? So they were willing to adapt if they needed to, but they had thought ahead and, and sort of decided that that was probably going to be the easiest. And it was, um, you know, there were other things that it, it wasn't immediate just because it took a little bit of time with facilities and other things, but to get a power operated door at the, the front of the department where I could just push a button after swiping my card and wouldn't have to then go and grab a heavy glass door um, each time to get in and out of my workplace. So it's really been a, a pretty awesome experience. Um, 
And, and that's coming from an employer who wasn't so great when it came to accessibility and then making adaptations and thinking outside the box. So I've had just a tremendous experience so far at Michigan Medicine. That's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So now I know that you from a, a you work on, on videos and photographs and things like that. And so you've had to make some enhancements to your workflows with accessibility in mind. Um, can you talk a little bit about those efforts and sort of how your eyes have been opened in the, in the couple of years you've been here? Yeah. Yeah. So I started about two years ago here and we just uh, at that point started adding captions to all our videos. We sent them off to a service. Um, since then, actually, some cool things have happened with our editing software where we can actually do that in the program. You know, so as we're editing, once we hit export, it'll start to create those captions for us. So um, from that perspective, that's been great. And we also recently have just started adding um, American Sign Language to some of our videos, too. So, yeah, it's, it's been really cool to see. We've gotten great feedback from that. And uh, I know it's it's been a blessing for for people. So it's, it's really cool to add that to our videos. Yeah. And, and I, I want to commend you, too, and, and your team. Um, and this isn't to, to toot my own horn, but I'm just um, we got really positive feedback earlier this year because we did a video on the COVID-19 vaccines and what it was like for a patient to go through the process of getting a vaccine at our clinics. And I actually was the patient at the time that went through it. And one of the feedbacks we got, you know, some of the feedback we got was, look, you showed somebody with a physical disability, but the video wasn't about that. And it just so happened that the patient had a physical disability. It was never mentioned. It was never called out for any reason. Um, and I think that's important, too. It just shows representation for populations that aren't always represented in media. Right. Absolutely. And if I remember correctly, too, that was one of the, the videos we were able to translate into multiple languages. As well. Absolutely. Yeah. We translated into a lot of different languages. So, yeah. Um, all right. It's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners, which department has the addiction consult team teamed with to help patients with substance use disorder? The answer is the Department of Family Medicine. Now, unfortunately, none of our listeners sent in that correct answer. So we need a better performance out of all of you this week. Now for this week's question, here's Hunter. All right, this week's question is, two Michigan medicine nurses have developed a new certification program for those who treat patients with which type of device? Once again, two Michigan medicine nurses have developed a new certification program for those who treat patients with which type of device? You can find that answer at Headlines, and once you know it, send it to headlines at med.uvish.edu for a chance to win a prize. That's all the time we have for this week. Krista, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks, as always, to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week. <laughs>